Welcome, friends. We're back with another episode of Word Books with Friends. I'm Paul. I'm Chris. This is episode number 20. Can you believe it's taken us like a year and a half to do 20 of these? Well, we it, this is a very impromptu show. It's a show that we normally do when uh, John cannot record with us. And I know when I can't record normally, John and Chris do their movie fix, where they watch a movie and review it. With Word Books with Friends, uh, Chris and I, we pick out a book that we want to read, and we kind of break it down into segments and uh, just talk about that book. And this book that we are getting through, this is part two of it, is The High Republic, Star Wars, Light of the Jedi, or Star Wars, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, if you want to not be Yoda about it. Um, <laughs> Which they've they've mentioned Yoda in this book multiple times now. And again, we did part one for episode 19 of this. Uh, so check that out if you haven't heard anything or haven't read this book yet. So we're doing part two today. And they've mentioned Yoda, but he has yet to actually appear in the book. Yeah, we we got our own new cast of characters where Chris and I both frantically were looking up online trying to find like a character guide or something to help us remember all these names. Because, you know, other than Evar Chris and uh, what is it? Great Storm or Load Storm? See, I can't oh, even uh, loading great storm. Yeah, loading great storm. Uh, basically, that's that's the only characters I kind of remember because those are, you know, kind of the two main people I'm following still. Yeah, um, um, we've again we read part one of this a while ago. We've also dipped our toes into the comic book side of the High Republic printing initiative uh, over on Bag and Boardcast. If you want to hear our review of. Ep- Issue number one of uh, The High Republic came out a while ago. So I know the characters from that, but outside of Master Skier, mm-hmm. you don't really see any of them. So I was excited when he popped up in part two because I'm like, okay, another character I know and recognize because, you know, a little behind the scenes stuff. It's been so long since I read part one from this that outside of Avar Chris. I didn't remember too much of the characters from this. And one of the things that I actually found myself doing was when I would see someone's name pop up, I would just do a quick Google search to see if they had a picture online somewhere because Star Wars did put out some kind of character guides for this because it's all new people. A lot of it's being told in, you know, adult novels, young adult novels, kids books. So you might not actually have seen these characters before, so having that kind of visual recognition mm-hmm. actually helped a little bit because I was able to look up people and be like, oh, okay, I remember seeing that picture of this character once before. Or in the case of Elzar Man, I'm like, oh, that's the dude on the cover. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. Thanks. Thanks, book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in part two, we, we've had the uh, great crisis of the legacy run. Uh, ex- basically, uh, space ex- collision ex- or near collision, and it ex- basically being ripped apart in hyperspace, and um, the whole new the new re- or the High Republic or the Republic basically breathes a sigh of relief, and then they realize that relief is going to be short lived as pieces of the legacy run are going to emerge from hyper- hyperspace. <coughs> Excuse me at seemingly random places and times because there's no way to track it. And that's uh, where we start off, where Chancellor Lena Sol 
So is uh, basically calling together the best minds to track these quote unquote emergencies. <laughs> and what's kind of interesting is part two of this book feels like a completely separate novel from part one, because yes, it's picking up on those threads, but you're following all brand new different characters really than you followed mm-hmm. in part one. And yes, some of them do kind of like weave their way in and out because there's some of the people that are working with the Republic to bring aid to the systems that have suffered. They've had to shut down the hyperspace lanes to try to prevent this from happening again. Like they don't know mm-hmm. what caused it. They don't want anyone traveling through hyperspace until they've actually figured out what caused it and if it could happen again. Yeah. So just throwing the whole outer rim into turmoil too, because they depend on the core worlds for supplies and now they're basically shut down. I can't imagine what that's like, you know, being yeah. being stuck somewhere without any kind of uh, ingoing or outbound uh, yeah. trade or transfer. Yeah. You, you mean like, you know, supplies being really low at the stores because, you know, there's some weird shipping thing that's yeah, happening. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, yeah. It's, it's almost it's like weird. you're being, uh, you know, quarantined, like when we first read part one. Um, <laughs> uh, and I have to say, this initiative and the brainstorming happened all before. Uh, 2019. And in yeah. fact, this book was pushed back like during COVID to, and it was supposed to be released earlier than it was. Um, so, it, you know, sometimes art it puts up a mirror because uh, there is definitely the couple uh, senators from the Republic that are pushing hard to get the lanes all opened up. Like, oh, what's the risk? It's fine. Like, you know, space travel is risky already. Like, so we'll be careful. We can be careful, right? We can be careful. <laughs> well, and then there's the whole discussions that they have here. It's like, well, this it's, imp- it's impossible that this could happen again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this was impossible that it would have happened in the first place. So here we are. Uh, so I really enjoyed part one because it did kind of have that ticking clock because you were watching everything kind of build Mm -hmm. up to the actual destruction of almost like an entire system um, before the Jedi are able to kind of pool their resources and stop it from around the galaxy. And part two really, I didn't know what to expect kind of getting into it because again, we are following a brand new batch of characters, but also we're kind of seeing more onto the uh, antagonist side with the Nile, yeah. and we're actually like following them around. We're actually being introduced to them, which is something that kind of caught me off guard because when we first hear about them in the interlude between part one and two, I imagine them to be almost like those Firefly Reaver type characters where they're just like force of nature. You don't see them coming. You don't mm-hmm. see them leaving. You just see what happens in their wake. So to kind of almost pal around with them kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah, um, exactly. I kind of was reading that that's what this storm was going to be. There were just going to be this band of rebels that are somehow using hyperspace, you know, lanes in a different way that are just, you know, going out and doing raids. So, you know, when I heard um, previews about this book and, ooh, the Nile, they're creepy. They're like space Vikings that just come out of nowhere and raid. And so I thought they were going to be this unknowable you know, brute force. And no, we're, we're definitely like given uh, a seat right at the hand of uh, what's it? Mar- 
Marchunian row. Marchunian row. Um, the leader or the great eye of the of the uh, storm and the storm runners, right? Or the Nile. And the way we get their whole like theory on you know how they manage each other, like oh your your storm, your uh, your strike, your uh, cloud. the clouds, yeah. yeah, the the whole echelon of the higher ups and the managing philosophy, and you know they are definitely Vikings. We we hang out with them and like this weird part of hyperspace that exists inside of hyperspace, but also outside of hyperspace that they meet in, which is just basically a grand drinking hall. Yeah. <laughs> Where people that did well, they get bounty, you know, a higher amount of bounty and the people that don't get uh, basically spaced. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, they're drug runners. They, they, and a lot of the people are using drugs, which is something new for star Wars for me. Like, yeah, they talked about like red sand, right? No, red sand is uh, Mass Effect. Like the spice, spice. Oh, I thought that was Dune. Um, no, I mean it's, but like uh, the spice mines of Kessel, it's also. Oh right, right, right. So it's spicier too. <clears throat> yeah, which is a drug. Um, yeah, and uh, like trap music they're playing <laughs> or whatever. Uh, they called it wreck punk. Wreck. <laughs> Okay. Which I think is a better name than the other form of Star Wars music we've heard, which is jizz. Yep, much better than a weird take on jazz. Um, yeah, rack punk. So there we go. You know, I I was kind of like when we get first get introduced and we're getting all this minutia about the the denial. I'm like, I don't know if they're a great enemy. Like, like you know what? They're not. The Empire. They're not the Sith. They're just a ragtag group of motorcycle. They're a motorcycle gang. Yeah. That's just, you know, out to make, you know, carve their little niche in the, in the outer rim and, like, get away with stuff. But especially to once you get to see more of them and really get to know them, where they are just kind of, like you said, a motorcycle gang. Like, there's no big presence that they have. Like, they have basically. The eye who's leading everything. And then they have their three other leaders who are kind of like the generals that each one of them has their own kind of team. And the way it works is basically each team or group can kind of do their own thing. They just have to get approval from the rest of the leaders. And then you kind of do what you want to do, live your life. And then you just report back with whatever winnings or earnings you get. And then it gets yeah. shared with everybody else. And the three generals also seem very... I don't know, archetypal, you know, just kind of like bland archetypes. Like, oh, you got the Twi'lek woman that's kind of more cunning and, you know, stealthy and uh, poisoner. And then you got the, like, one guy that's all about the military and he has just the most strikes, the most ships at his disposal. And then you got the other guy that's just uh, a hulking brute, you know, the, the almost the, the muscle, you know, the physical muscle. And I'm like, okay, so... I don't really think they're interesting. And then Murchon Rowe and why they, he's called the eyes because he can see the, the lanes of hyperspace that nobody else can. And he dulls out to the, his generals, like special hyperspace lanes to go on these like uh, raiding raids. And honestly, for the first part of this book, every time we went to him, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to spend my time with them. They're not mm-hmm. a very compelling villain. They don't feel villainous. 
But by the end, when Murchon Rowe starts, say, uh, at the very end, last very last chapter, he, he kind of makes a turn and he's kind of going for old dark side a little bit. It, it does ramp up. And I feel like you kind of need to have them in those beginning chapters of this part to see that kind of growth because it does become apparent as you're watching them go out on their strikes and their missions trying to do what they do. Mm-hmm. They're not well organized. They don't have things put together. And mm-hmm. it does become apparent that the disaster that broke apart the legacy run was just an accident. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't plotted. And now they just have to get that transponder, transceiver, receiver, black box to cover up that it was related to them. Because if word gets out that it was the Nihil, basically everyone's going to come gunning for them. And it's their ineptitude in trying to cover their tracks that basically lets the whole Republic know where they are and what they did. Yeah. Because, uh, and then in this uh, part two, Kevis uh, Miliko, the the one that's uh, kind of got the all the pilots and all the ships, he, he actually realizes there's an emergence that's going to happen, right? Yeah. And he tries to blackmail a system. Yeah. And then he kind of screws it up because he couldn't get to the the one piece in time. So it's like, ooh, they're just kind of, they seem kind of bumbling. And then all of a sudden when, uh, you know, here at the very end, I'm, I, I get, I've already, you know, spoilers, I've already finished the book. So to see Merchant Rose uh, turn start here and actually like, no, th- this is an opportunity. I can change how things are run. I the guy the the Nile can be something different than just this motorcycle gang. I'm like, okay, this is a villainous group that can be more of a threat to the High Republic than what they are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Cause, interesting. Yeah, because very much it seems once you actually get introduced to them, you start following them. They're out there just looking for scraps. Yeah. Um, and one of the stories that I kind of liked and appreciated was on this mining planet where you're following this family that actually gets attacked by the Nihil. And then it's like a small Jedi outpost on the planet is the one to answer their distress call because the actual security force on the planet is like, mm, no, we're, we're not even going to, to try. It's sorry. You guys are on your own. Click, hang up the phone. Um, and I really liked Seeing the Jedi, like, okay, well, you know what? This family's under fire. Like, they're far away. We got to get moving now. And I have to, again, it's a lot of names. Uh, it's three of our, it's three of the best uh, Jedi that we get to with that we hang out with. Uh, Porter Angle is yeah. a character that I want to know more about because he's like 300 years old. He's basically done every job that a Jedi can do. And like, he's just kind of, fallen to the role of cook now. And he's very proud of his nine egg stew that he makes. Uh, everyone loves it. And when the call goes out that they need help, he's like, all right. And I don't have the book open in front of me right now, but there's a line where he's they're chasing down the Nihil and like, he's trying to come to grips with what he's feeling because it's not anger that's driving him right now. It's purpose. Or it's something like that. Where yeah, he's yeah. like, no, I know it's, what anger leads to, but right now it's the drive that I'm feeling is I have to save yeah. these people and I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to take them apart. And even when he's 
trying to get a rise out of the two Nihil that are lying in wait uh, to ambush him. And he's just kind of like smack talking them. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I see where you're firing from. I'll see you again soon. I'm like, this this dude's awesome. Like, I just I want more of him. And I was sad that, Paul, when you sent me that uh, link with basically the yeah. character chart of like all the Jedi, mm-hmm. the Masters, the Padawans, I'm like, oh, this guy doesn't have a picture on here. I, I'm sad now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we he's, get He's got like a little plank like icon uh in the top row and I'm like, "Man, I I want him to be my favorite character and I don't even know what he looks like." But well, it, it's those stories like following the Jedi while they're trying to deal with this. Um when you're like following uh Elzar Munn and he's trying to get the resources together to build the Navidroid like system, it's super. Yeah, the supercomputer, the super yeah. droid hookup. The, um, but yeah, I, I th- those are the stories. Like I wanted more of that. And every time we kind of focus on the Nihil for a chapter, and even some of those chapters are only like six pages long, so it's not mm-hmm. like you're with them for a long time. But it's when you flip that page, you're like, oh well, now I, I have to follow whatever, like Lorna, Lorna Dean, Lorna Dune, whatever mm-hmm. her name is. Uh, I, I don't want to do that. I want to see more about these characters that I'm actually engaged and engrossed with. But again, like we said, at the time we get to the finale of part two, I'm glad we got to see those threads kind of come apart on their side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing uh, more of Great Storm because he was one of the characters that we both enjoyed in part one. He's the one that, you know, it's like, no, you guys got that ship. Get, let's get people on that ship. Like, I don't care if you're rich. Just stop it. <laughs> you know? So he's back on that planet uh, trying to uh, save the miners. And uh, again, we're, you know, in part two, we're, we're left with a cliffhanger where he's aboard uh, or going after the Nile and his Padawan Bell. Uh, you know, Chris, he said he saw it coming. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's very telegraphed where... In his training, he gets basically force-pushed off a balcony, and part of his training is he has to learn how to slow his fall and stop himself. And they make such a big deal out of it where it's like, oh, I'm never going to get this. Oh, shucks. It's like, okay. It's very telegraphed, and it's definitely setting up that moment again later on that when we actually have that moment where he, uh, Bell jumps out of the ship to try to catch like the child that's basically... Mm-hmm. being thrown off by the Nihil to act as a distraction. I was like, okay, well, there's there's no stakes to this now because I I know he's he's going to come out on top. Yeah. That's still a heroic moment. You no, got to give it's him... So, it's so good. He overcomes his struggles, he, he, and uh, he gets put into, you know, hey, get this done, and uh, I'll put in for you to become a Jedi Knight when we get back to Coruscant, or when we get back, or wherever they go. Um, yeah, I, I like seeing them back. Evar Chris still is a really strong character. Just, you know, very focused, determined, level-headed. Uh, we get to see her and as our man basically create a rainstorm. Yeah. <laughs> Using the force. Which, which I, I do like the interplay between those two characters, mm-hmm. too, where they each kind of know what the other one's up to. And just kind of like that knowing wink, like... I, I'm on to you. I know what mm-hmm. I'm like. Uh, when they're talking about the Jedi mind trick at one point, and like so, 
like Elzar Man like calls it something where it's like, oh, some people refer to this as like the mind push or something. Mm-hmm. It's like I call it what it is. It's a trick. Like you're basically making them do something with the force that they don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. I did like, yeah, I think Evar Chris is better every time that Elzar man is there just because of the interplay there. So still very enjoyable. Um, again, this, this feels more of like the prequels, clone wars, kind of star Wars where we get a lot of chancellors, a lot of Senator stuff going on. And just a whole mess of Jedi out there doing they're they're this they're the elite guard. They're the yeah. they're not the lone stranger that comes into town. They're, you know, not the lone man on the horse in the western. Um what, in that western setting, what who would they be? They would be the army? But they're not the army. They're I don't not know. really that I mean they're like the the ragtag not really like the ragtag, you know, band of deputies that is like mm-hmm. prairie justice um they're the, the untouchables yeah i guess uh but there's a moment but that's kind monster. of towards the end of part two where the jedi are actually sitting around talking about what their next course of action is going to be mm-hmm. and that's actually the discussion that they're having though where it's like well we have two ideals that we as jedi need to uphold peace and justice mm-hmm. and right now also we're a lightsaber in- form that you can build over at galaxy's edge it is hey. Just like right now, we're we're up we're upholding the peace, but to keep that peace, we need to enforce the justice. And how far do you go before it's no longer justice and it's vengeance? And at that point, are you upsetting the peace? And I like that discussion as much as I don't like all like the talk about trade federations and planet blockades in the prequels. I think this is much more engaging. I want to see that duality. Of the Jedi and get to know these characters and see how they feel about things and how that interplay affects their standing with the rest of the Jedi. And that's something that we didn't really get to see before. I like it better here because we know it's not going to lead to a specific fall. Like, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the Jedi in the prequels, you know, going to war, you, you, it was the wrong decision. You knew it was the wrong decision because it was going to lead to the fall of the Jedi. Here, it's like, okay, they're keeping the peace. It seems like this is actually, all right, the correct path. And it'll be surprising if a character, one of the char- Jedis that were falling, maybe falls to the dark side. I think that will be really cool if that happens. That Spoilers, it hasn't happened in the, in the uh, third part of the book. But I kind of miss some... I miss the Sith, you know? I... Even though I'm, I'm very excited about what's happening with uh, Merchant Rowe here, like, you know, he chops off the dude's hand. I'm like, yes, do it. <laughs> Feel your like, anger. I like, I like that he has, like, uh, throwing stars hidden in one of his gauntlets. That when the, the other Nile, like, reaches for a gun that is a secret gun, but Merchant Rowe knows that he has it. It's like, yeah. and don't forget to take your hand with you. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. Um, yeah. I'm really enjoyed part two and it kind of made me sad that it took me so long to read it but also i didn't want to read it too early before we had a time set up to record you know this episode because i didn't want to forget anything or lose any of those threads so i literally just read all this within like the last three four days Mm -hmm. um just whenever i had some free time while i'm on vacation this week and i'm glad i waited because i kind of 
let me sit down with that excitement and enthusiasm to talk to you about it. Um, and I'm really excited to read part three and hopefully we can set a time yeah. soon where we can talk about that because I definitely want to get to it sooner rather than later. Um, but Paul, you said you had some questions for me. Uh, well, one of the questions I already asked, which was, okay. are the Nile a good villain? And they're on, their, they're, they're on their way because okay. I think this is a good three act structure for them because you, you have the setup again, mm-hmm. it's at the very tail end of part two, but then they become more, more present. You get to know them. So I'm excited to see where it goes now. Definitely. Yeah. And the other question we already talked about with how you felt about them discussing, you know, what the Jedi are should be, you know, and the peace, the balance of peace and justice. And where where do you hope that leads? Do you want to see, them being like the peacekeeping force, or do you think the Jedi should be? Where do you fall in that discussion? I guess it's, it's, I, I, it's a very light side answer, but I think they need to have that balance. I okay. think they need to straddle that line to you know keep the light, uphold the light, um, and also defend the Republic. You know, they they have to have both those hands on the wheel, right? Because um, they even mentioned like you know what. Before, when we were just too focused on upholding the peace, that's when, you know, tyranny strikes. That's when mm-hmm. we're, we have our hands bound and we're not able to do anything because we're too distracted by just regulating and ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a really, really good spot to be in. And something that I kind of want to bring up, too, and we haven't mentioned oh, nice. it yet. Um, the eye of the Nihil... He's actually using a person who can see these All right. hyperspace pathways. Um, and I'm blanking on the woman's name now, but she's actually a member of the Santeca clan. And the Santecas are basically the foremost minds when it comes to hyperspace travel. And we actually already know one of their descendants from Star Wars The Force Awakens with the person that Kylo Ren goes to get the map to Luke Skywalker from, Lor Santeca. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, cool. So, as soon as I read that name, I was like, I'm pretty sure that was the character from the very, very beginning of Force Awakens, and I had to do some quick Google food just to confirm it, and it turns out, like, yes, that's true. So, I guess it kind of makes sense uh, that he would know hidden areas of space where, mm-hmm. you know, Luke Skywalker might be, uh, and have that map. Well, that is, that is a really cool tie-in that I did not catch. Uh, we meet the other two Sentecas, uh, when they're helped to, they get conscripted basically to help build the hyperspace hypercomputer droid array. Droid, the droid, or the super droid array. Yeah. I think that's what they call Which it. Which I, I did enjoy that interplay too, where the Jedi are like, they're hiding something. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they're not because they basically gave us unparalleled access to all of their resources, things that are basically trade secrets to them because it reveals how they know so much about hyperspace and mm-hmm. hyperspace travel. Why, why would they hide anything from us? They literally just gave us everything we need to try to fix this and make it right. So I'm actually uh, excited to see how that kind of comes back to in part three. Well, they're hiding out that, you know, their mom, I'm guessing the I old lady like is basically some sort of ancient ancestor the because that woman seems 
far too old to be just like a mother, but they're aware of who she is because mm-hmm. they make mentions like, well, it can't be. She's dead. Like, yeah. She has to be dead, but she's like being the, you know, uh, some, some say that, uh, extending a life, uh, it might be an unnatural <laughs> in some ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this part though. This was really good. Um, it might be a little bit early to get into it, but do we continue on once we finish this with the next? I did start reading uh, the well, not test. What is it called? Uh, Into the Darkness. Mm-hmm. Or what's the next book called? I should mm-hmm. open up my Kindle. Uh, the Rising Storm. That's what okay. it's called. Uh, which is which starts right after this book, okay. <laughs> like. Basically, it opens with uh, the end scene of uh, which I would enjoy. I think it would be great. Uh, the only other question is for our listeners: Hey, I was thinking about maybe jumping on Twitch with this, so we could get your interactions, your takes on uh, reading the book along with us. But I think, uh, I, in order for me to invest the time in actually learning how to do Twitch, I would need at least one email <laughs> saying yes, let's do it. Uh, one email, one one tweet, or one Facebook reply saying yes. Get on Twitch, and uh, yeah, then I'll then I'll take the time to actually learn how to do that. I think we just go for it and do it, and see if we get responses after. <laughs> yeah, that's how we normally do things. <laughs> yeah. But if you do want to reach out to us, let us know your thoughts on part two of Light of the Jedi, or if you want us to read something else. Continue on with Star Wars, go back to Harry Potter, let us know. Email us over at bangboardcast at gmail.com or, you know, hit us up on any of our social media platforms. We like talking about stuff that we like. We want to do it more. 